0: hey that's hello and welcome i'm not a thief i don't steal opening styles what's up guys this is no off days i'm your host samson folk a podcast merchant uh we are breaking down game four because we don't have off days except for the one we just had because two off days means one pod how you doing buddy i'm doing
1: well finally we get to talk about a win dude Which is what we've been waiting for, especially we don't partake in many of the hot takes, the take culture, as it were, which means if the team is losing, and especially in game three, while achieving pretty good process, it means that if they were to lose game four in a similar fashion we wouldn't have much to talk about because we wouldn't be saying to trade everybody and that kind of stuff. And and no
0: one wants to hear what you have to say, Axis knows wise about a loss. In general, right. let alone these types of... Which brings us to where we are now. You know, awesome place, game four. Um, I was watching it, I messaged you, uh, not so different from game three, Hey. Eh?
1: Yeah, very similar. Only The only difference is that... I thought the biggest difference was Pascal Siakam probably finally rewarded for some of the the hand checking of Tobias Harris and, and James Harden, Danny Green. Those three in particular have been able to be quite handsy with him all series. Um, you like you could even see on that drive where he scored on that layup on Paul Reed. He's making this winding route to the rim. He can't take a straight angle because he he's, yep. keeps getting pushed off his line. And some of that is good defense. Like some of that guys lead with the hip, they corral, the arm shoots out. I'll put it in screen. <laughs> arm shoots out. Okay. But we can a lot picture the, an arm
0: shooting out. Yeah. I know what that looks like.
1: Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it, it was nice to see him break through in that way. The defense remained absolutely stellar. The defensive rating in that game, I guess, was 104 over the, the course of the Incredible. game. So we are we are getting better every game. 1.47, 1.24, 1.11, and now 104. So the Raptors' defense is finding its stride. And who knows what game five has in store? But in game four, once again, the whistle that they needed, they got. The intensity they needed, they worked with. And the stellar plays were made. Just bang, bang, bang. It was, it was great.
0: Yes, we're going to go through uh, a lot of the aforementioned stellar plays. Uh, You give me an inch in terms of letting me open the podcast, and I will seize all hosting duties from you. So heads up on that one. Uh, Scotty Barnes, I wanted to open with the cow catcher himself. Uh, I thought the Raptors had, after three losses, and specifically how the loss in Game 3 went, I thought the Raptors had a very thin path tightrope to victories a little bit thicker Scotty Barnes plows more space than I expected on the tip of the train you know pushing the obstacles out of the way because look honestly they Scotty Barnes was phenomenal right don't get me wrong one for six does not um, nearly account for the impact he had but Barnes scored six points OGN and OB hit what one, three? one, th- one for seven fred van fleet obviously who knows what he'll be in the future um but they got very little from him as well offensively i mean there is more the raptors have to give the margins don't seem quite so tight right now
1: yeah that's the benefit of a, a superstar yes. and you know and whether pascal was playing the role of superstar in games one two and three you know you, debate it with whoever you'd like we won't debate it here but he definitely found that role and that output in game four which creates this chasm for other raptors to kind of fall short and the raptors can still find success and scotty big shout out to him rookie of the year super nice to see he like the video of him receiving it is so touching he cried it obviously means a ton to him and uh you know offensively he was not at his best He's currently testing the limits of his body. A guy yeah. like him taking five of his shots outside of the paint, for example, yeah. is, is not customary. And a few of them were like these lackadaisical possessions where, okay, it ends up in a jump shot. Yeah, zero pass pull-ups.
0: Not uh, He did that in the regular season, not a playoff look.
1: Yeah, and I think we might see, depending on how quickly he, that ankle gets better, that those turn into paint looks soon. Yeah. Because that's that's where he's most valuable to the Raptors. But the one of the most important things was just a guy who was helping out on the glass, like 11 rebounds in a pretty short spurt. He played roughly the same minutes as Precious Achua in this one. And uh, that was fantastic to see. Just a guy who's going to come in and contribute no matter what.
0: His defense, uh, I think, is almost underrated right now amongst Raptor fans because he was quite poor coming into the season. Uh, he got blown by quite a bit um, off the ball. He, he'd freelance get lost a little bit in the rotations uh, right now. He's really tight off the ball. Uh, he still gives up some blow buys, but he is great at like directors are always going to have a body there. He's great at peeling off sort of rotating immediately when a guy gets past him. So it doesn't hurt the defense as much as like a typical blow by would. Um, and the, the rebounding, the contests, he was really solid against Joel Embiid in single coverage. The defense is uh, coming around, man. It's it's w- better than I expected it to be after a season's worth of seasoning.
1: Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, who was it? I think it was Stan Van Gundy on the broadcast prior to the game that said that he thought Scotty Barnes was the Raptors' most versatile defender. So I'm glad you added that maybe he's underrated to Raptors fans because the lore to to, to you and I, not to national guys. The myth making for Scotty Barnes is excellent. We've, we've talked about this this before where it's like, everybody just needs you to look like somebody that's an all time great. And then they're like, you're that guy. I totally see it. And Magic Johnson coming out and saying, sure, he looks like me. He could be me. Everybody's like, holy smokes. Yeah. Magic Johnson. You know, it's, (laughs) And and defensively, it's like, well, is he the one through five defender? I've seen him defend one through five, you know, like, has it worked? Has it been bad? Whatever. But as you said, that defense, whether it was game four or whether it yeah. was, you know, during the tail end of the regular season, even games, game one, right? Yeah. He's hemmed in a lot of those more astronaut like tendencies and you not like, well, Floating off in space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah. the thing about it is that, as you say, like the peel switching, the Xing out is just following your mistake so that it becomes, you know, a benefit. Yeah, one of the one of the unique um, aspects of this Raptors defense. And sure, it can be a little bit tough if you're at the point of attack, but in this series in particular, they're just because he's not ma- matched up with Maxi often and Tobias Harris, James Harden. Those aren't really bursty athletes right now. He gets to play high. He, he really does. Yeah. He gets to play high on ball the way that he likes to play. So his defensive weaknesses, which how long their weaknesses, who knows, they could be strengths by next year. They're currently not being um, paraded on by the other team. He isn't seen as the weakness in in matchups and stuff like that. So he's not being attacked and his length and his ranging has been a, a huge benefit. So that was really nice to see that he's not he's not going to be picked on or anything like that. So, yeah, hell yeah for defense.
0: That's actually something I wanted to ask you. Uh, we called our last podcast Scraping the Bottom of the Barrel, and I've been trying to put myself in the mind of Doc Rivers and his coaching staff. You know, what adjustments are left? And it has got to hurt to play Siakam like he is the superstar that he played as to open up a ton of threes and then to not get hurt by threes. Like, okay, we got the offense to take the shots they wanted and they burned us. The Sixers have to go into game five, like the Raptors went into game four, right? Saying we can't abandon this scheme. They might be scraping the bottom of the barrel. I mean, offensively, they just don't have targets. James Harden is up there saying, "Oh, give me a switch. Oh, it's it's this guy in front of me. No, no, no. One more switch. Oh, shoot, this guy in front of me. No, no, no. W- one more switch. He could spend an entire possession getting switches to go from Precious Chua, OG Ananobi, Gary Trent, who he has not bullied, Pascal Siakam. There's just there's no weak links that the that the Sixers want to sort of chisel into. Uh, it is." Not as simple a fix for Philadelphia as it might seem for a team up 3-1.
1: Yeah. And in addition to that, obviously the transition defense for the Raptors has seen a huge turnaround. It's harder to explain that in a fun way where you get to go into like, oh, yeah, they're running this defense. These are their they're just trying principles. Right. And when you see like the Raptors, what they do is they stop ball. They give yep. up threes in transition. A lot of other teams don't do that, but the Raptors very specifically want to do that. And so a lot of times they were sinking and guys like Harris or Maxi or Danny Green were hitting trailer threes on them. And, and if if they had enough, you know, burst were getting out, out early and getting to a layup or something like that. But the Raptors being able to kind of step out And chase these guys horizontally across the top of the above the break area and stretch these plays out and turn these transition possessions into half court possessions. And if Joel Embiid is trailing the play to meet him high and resist him all the way until he gets to the spot that he's looking to initiate from, that is a lot of energy. And that's something that isn't a given that the Raptors will keep up. And that's something that the 76ers can try and push even harder. in. so I'm looking in transition to see if that's an adjustment, especially in Philadelphia. It could be the case that if the Raptors miss some shots, that early offense is just boom, 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 boom. And, and, and being and the buried Ra- them yeah. three
0: times with deep post position. Mm-hmm. That's game over. If he sets his foot five feet from the rim or closer like that's the end of everything. Yep.
1: Yeah. Because, you know, torn, Thumb ligament or not, that's a big boy down there, that's and uh, it compromises the defense far too much. But uh, the doubling, yeah. sometimes on the dribble, sometimes on the catch. What yeah. do you think of? Uh, what do you think of the doubling on MB? Man, the doubling was incredible. I, I
0: wrote my game piece about Pascal Siakam's defense. And his defense was very good all around. You know, he he rotated well, closeouts, stayed with guys, switched when he had to. They don't love to switch him onto the ball. Against Philadelphia, but the thing was the doubles. Five doubles against Embiid from Siakam. Here, let's. Uh, uh, no, five. Four turnovers in those five doubles. Siakam and he and, and Embiid only had five. Eighty percent of Embiid's turnovers came with Siakam doubling.
1: That's 80% incredible. Eighty percent of the time, it works. hundred percent of the time, they go. That's right.
0: <laughs> And it was like Siakam takes crazy lines to the ball, even if he takes a step that looks like, oh, Embiid sees him and he's taking this loopy little curl thing and Embiid could just, you know, draw a foul. Siakam corrects immediately. He, he always, you know, evens out where his hips are heading to. He is shows so long that Embiid might have a skip, but nope, it's just not there. And then OG's getting in on the weak side for that steal he got, or he throws it behind guys because he has to get around Siakam's arms. And then Siakam continues contesting passes, like through the actual motion of passing. Siakam is always like trying to get that steal late, late, late. His doubling is incredible. He had Embiid flummoxed in a way that no other doubler did uh Ananobi threw some doubles at him and he was good not quite to the same level as siakam it was phenomenal and the idea of he has to keep guessing is it coming from behind or in front is it coming early or late is it coming weak side strong side high low he has to think about that and if he doesn't think it's a bucket you got to make him think
1: if you wanted to fill a hole with a bunch of cracks in it and you had liquid <laughs> cements or, I love know, this question Or compacted cement that's already been developed Right Same amount both sides You would choose the liquid form Because the liquid form seeks out all cracks All yeah. inconsistencies in the base of it Pascal Siakam is currently Liquidity on the uh, the defensive end He is a, He's the, he is the, the Terminator form. from
0: Terminator 2
1: <laughs> That's uh Yeah You'll be sure he could be anything he wants. Um, so yeah, Pascal, a lot of doubles. Well, five of them, four turnovers. That's great. Doing great things defensively. OG, uh, what do you think of Embiid's passing? Because Jackson Frank, who for my money is the the best 76ers analyst, um, he was talking about he he wasn't sure that Embiid's passing was him making reads too soon or him being um impatient or anything like that. Sometimes the defense just gets you. And you know what I mean? I'm curious what you thought about Embiid's reads out of it and some bad yeah. passes, obviously.
0: Yeah. I think it's, it was, I listened to a really uh, interesting Nikias, uh thing really earlier about the season about is Scotty Barnes a good passer. And he kind of separated out. Like he is very visionary. He sees plays from his execution where he throws some loopy passes or some late beat stuff when it had to be earlier. Um, which was a, a really uh, inventive and I thought thoughtful way to separate out good for passing, and then B, it had the same thing. I think he had good looks, right? He saw some cutters, he saw skips, uh, he floated them too high, threw them behind guys. I think the execution was bad, but the reads were good. If that makes any sense.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's um, yes, I'd agree with that. It's the playmaking. And passing, you can delineate if you want. It doesn't make much sense because there's very few conversations you can have where you divorce playmaking from passing. But if you want to be there with a dead ball, who who do you want passing the ball? D'Angelo Russell or you know Demar Derozan? Even though even though Demar comparatively creates a similar amount of shots to D'Angelo and all that other kind of stuff. With a dead ball, just their brain and their limbs to create a, an avenue from themselves to a player, you want D'Lo making that pass, for example. Even though they, w- with a live ball, they can kind of work their way and manipulate with their shooting talent, their body, and maybe you choose to mark to create a shot. So, yeah, Embiid, creating good stuff, maybe not the best execution of it, I think is a a good way to look at it. Uh, the, uh, the Gary Trent Jr. aspect of things. Pretty good, right? The Gary Trent of it all. On him? Yeah, the Gary Trent of it all. He spent a lot of the season being overrated
0: defensively. Uh, you have told even me the whole before. Season. Yeah, perhaps even I think people caught on that he wasn't quite the best defender on Toronto. Like you know, NBA. Uh, what is it? The rookie, or the Defensive Player of the Year ladder had him on it at one point. Number three. Number three, uh, yeah, he gambles. Um, he dies on screen. I mean, no need to get into it. Man, it's been clean. It's been clean against Philadelphia. A uh, couple fouls against Harden, but that like everyone does that, you know. Sometimes he gets bumped by Harden and really like goes flying. Again, that's something that happens to guards when they're guarding James Harden. He has been tight. I've been so impressed with his defense, and I don't think his turnover creation has even been that high. How many he had? Oh, he had two
1: steals in game four. That's actually amazing. But, Every uh, single time you check Gary's yeah. stat line, he has two steals. It's, yeah, it's like incredible. he starts with two steals, you know?
0: <laughs> it's something else. But I don't really care about the gaudy. I love the gaudy stuff. Who am I kidding? But the solidity beneath it, the foundation beneath the bell tower, that's
1: what I loved about Gary Trent's defense. And the, the shot making, con- hell yeah, of course. Yeah, the constitution of his yeah. prim- like his on-ball defense, honestly, this it's not the best it's ever looked. But certainly, I'm really happy with it, especially given wh- who he's trying to defend. And yeah. now that the Raptors are more focused on providing situational help to Maxi's on-ball possessions, if Gary happens to be the guy on Maxi or Harden, uh, he's doing pretty well with less people helping on Harden and doing way better with more people helping on Maxi. So they found something. Of course, the Raptors still have to win three in a row, but they found something. At a lot of different levels, offensively is still the big question mark. It seems like they're hucking them
0: cows out of the way, left and right.
1: Hucking them, dude, get them out of here, get out of here, man. Uh, Hucking them, making plans, cow catching the the like. But yeah, I think is there anything you're worried about heading into Game Five? Siakam is subsisting on some of the hardest shots he's ever taken, and that's
0: a guy who. Spent a whole season taking mostly the hardest shots in the NBA. Uh, I was looking through a database, looking at contested, off-the-dribble, non-jumpers. So that includes uh, floaters, hooks, uh, post-moves. No, sorry, non-jumpers, non-layups. Floaters, hooks, post-moves, mostly push shots, runners, whatever. Uh, Plus, Yakim led the league by a mile, like not even close. He took so many more than everyone else in the season. And he hasn't even gotten to those like that runner from six feet. That's contested. They've taken away from him the hardest shot in the game. They said, Nope, can't have that. And so he's like, fine, I'll just take fadeaways and pull ups and even harder shots for him, not for other people. And he's making those anyway. It's like, if I have one concern, Siakam has not shown an ability to make this diet of shots four games in a row. Can he? Sure. He just did. He just dropped 34, 34, 36, 34. He just, he just dropped 34 against truly a phenomenal defensive performance. So we know he can,
1: but it's not the type of shot he got all year. Do we think that, actually, I got to talk about the Siakam thing first. So Siakam is now currently shooting 36% in the long mid-range against the 76ers over four games. It was 37% for the regular season. He is now shooting 56% in the short mid-range. That's that's so laughable. It was 60% against the 76ers during the regular season and 49% in, in total. He's down from 67% to 50% at the rim. Hello, Joel Embiid. Your presence is understood and known. Perhaps you could relax a little. He bit. feasted when Embiid sat in game four, by the way. Yes. Yeah. And, and the, the crazy thing is that feasting didn't even include. Hard shots. Really. Yeah. Hard yeah. Shots. <laughs> it's like he feasted with eight foot fadeaways. It's yeah. Runners like, and. That, But that's the thing, too, is not only is Siakam not really replicating what made him so dominant against the 76ers o- outside of being himself because he is a very very impactful player as we saw even in game 3 where everybody had you know the pitchforks were out the torches were lit but the 76ers were like that guy is still who we're stopping yeah you know I, every, anybody else can get off but we're stopping him and uh, to see him taking all the shots that he made in the 70s, against the 76ers in the regular season at, like 7 Eight feet are now eleven, yeah twelve thirteen just it's like so much butter, sorry, so little butter over so much bread you know it's just like how long can he keep this up and but also if the if the whistle has changed for him that does that does change some things that adds a new element
0: that's a um uh tolkien quote uh, yes Bilbo bag yeah he's I feel like too little butter stretched over. Coast or something yeah it's great great i love that yeah we're gonna go when we're cow catching's done we're on to tolkien now for our, for our next one we're gonna replicate the tolkien reference
1: okay that's that's totally fine i'll do i will do tolkien references uh till <laughs> the cows come home okay everybody um, love it
0: so uh, yeah the question i've been asking you uh, I'm still at Raps in six. I know I'm going down with the ship.
1: Uh, is there any chance of Raps in six? Of Raps in seven? Unfortunately, no. <laughs> is there any chance of Raps in seven? Of course. Is it so? Every single game that you get closer, it becomes more and more likely because you're you're crushing the um, the variance of one game going wrong. Yeah, so the Raptors, especially in game like in game three, it felt like they were on wild swings still, and, and in game four, it felt like they had a lot more control of pace, and and a lot of that had to do with Siakam commandeering the offense and just guiding the ship perfectly into port. Yeah. But when we see a team like this finding what works, then it's especially in a playoff series, you go with the team that has whatever's working. Until it stops working. And currently the Raptors have the working game plan. And will the 76ers adjust? Is Embiid, the thumb didn't seem to affect him down the line of game three, but it certainly seemed to affect him somewhat in game four. He's frustrated. He's playing kind of chippy. You know, it's, yeah. it's clearly getting to him. What type of fortitude do they have over there? Because the Raptors have the fortitude to compete yeah. in any context, basically. That's what we're going to see. And every game that the Raptors win, it means that they have one less game where things could pop off and the 76ers could make 18 or 19 threes or something like that. Just yep. ruin the series by having variants swing too wildly one way. George Niang makes five threes. Danny Green makes six, something like that. Every How game they get it? closer.
0: Sorry, I'm just going to step in real quick. That George Niang is shooting like 80% from three and losing his
1: minutes by 10 million. Yep. Yeah, because the raptors see him man and it's yeah. like he's the he's the zebra in the horse pack like they know exactly where he is they're like that strikes dude i see it and so yeah and they they've run really smart stuff they they in the
0: first game possession he came on i think they ran spain with uh with the guy he was guarding to get him uh, tr- uh up on the ball and it end up with a pull up jumper that siaka missed but really smart way to get niang making choices They like the raptors are executing. they are the, the the margins are clean right now. And like you say, how about that other that other team right now? They have that pressure. Will the margin stay clean for them? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, well Spain is so great if you're trying to kind of expose a, a weak defender because there's a few different ways to guard Spain and you can actually gather a lot of Intel based on how they try to protect that defender within it. like are you are you yeah. just gonna drop out of it? Are you gonna switch everything? And that's, you know, that's kind of what the Raptors were going for. You you gather a lot of intel from one play, which is why set plays are so great.
0: Which is Maxi, speaking about, uh, I'm never going to let this pot in. Speaking about gathering intel, Maxi has been scram switched to the corner more than I've ever. They're like, keep Maxi the hell away from anything that's happening on the floor on the defensive end. That's a weakness the Raptors could take
1: something out of that's that's where scotty barnes because yeah. scotty barnes if he's a lot of times he gets positioned in the dunker spot or the corner after yeah. he's running after he's done running weave or whatever he filters to those places if maxi's scram switch to his and maybe they stack like og and scotty in the same corner mm. you, the other guy cuts across or maybe even get like a little flex screen or cross screen or something like that you try and get that that post up, and you Got try it. and empty that side out. See what MB does as a roamer, kind of rotating over. But there's there's food there. They can force or the
0: the on ball stuff. Obviously, get him on ball. But if you can just manipulate a little bit once he scrams to the corner to make him the tagger or make him the low man, if you hit the roller, I mean that's that's easy. He's not going to contest anyone. Like the man is not Fred Van Fleet. He's not going to tag the roller and, and force a stop.
1: This this is the unique aspect of the Raptors offense, the the clunk, as it were, that it is it is so clearly diagrammed out by the stats, by everything, that hunting yeah. mismatches is not good offense. Just run <laughs> for most teams, it's they're just run your offense, trying to get your looks. Hunting mismatches, yeah. you're not gonna get what you want. Defenders usually aren't as bad as their reputation, especially yeah. on ball. Defenses help, you're late in the clock. It's it's bad. But the Raptors are like, we're late in the clock anyway, baby. We might we're as well bad anyway. <laughs> yeah,
0: we're we're not running anything.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, they we spent all year playing playoff offense for no reason. Let's run some slow nonsense stuff to get nobody moving. And oh, we got to attack in isolation because there's six seconds on the clock. Oh, we got to switch. That's fine. They spent all year honing this offense
1: honing yeah that's yeah. that's the funny thing right is as, as long as the raptors keep winning games with this offense the more and more depraved our commentary about how <laughs> huh, you don't have to do anything just give this guy a get a ball and then you know but as soon if they lose in terrible fashion you kind of go into the offseason like we need a new assistant coach we need like 12 new set actions that just get looks <laughs> man we need a movement shooter we need yeah. this we need that and uh We'll we'll be back here, listener, after game five, hopefully uh, to tell you, hey, man, that's the clunk. You know, sometimes it clinks, sometimes it clanks. Today, <laughs> it did both, you know, like something like that. Uh, podcast, Lewis, how do you podcast. feel? Podcast. Listener, podcast. Listener, thanks for tuning in. Whether you got into it in the morning or at night, have an off day and goodbye.